Welcome to The Bittersweet Life. It's a show about letting go of the rope, so to speak, and what happens when you do. I'm Katie Sewell. Last year, I quit my stable job and moved to Rome. Now I'm back in Seattle, trying to figure out what's next. My co-host, Tiffany Parks, moved to Rome 10 years ago with no plan and made it happen. If you're new to the show, I encourage you to go back to the beginning, all the way to episode one, and join us for the whole journey. There are a lot of great episodes in the past that you just shouldn't miss. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today, we have a very important announcement to make. <laughs> if you say so. Is that the way to say it? <laughs> Maybe um, not. I don't know. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Something that will at least dramatically change one of us from here on out. Yep. And it's not me. <laughs> so Tiffany, what do you have to tell everybody? Well, if you haven't already guessed, uh, <laughs> I'm pregnant. Yay! <laughs> now let's talk about this a little bit. Have you been trying to be pregnant for a while? Let's fill everybody in. I'll start. First of all, I have been pregnant for a while, actually. Yeah. How, um, <laughs> where are you? <laughs> so I'm five and a half months pregnant. And I'm due at the beginning of August, like I'm basically due the day before my birthday. And no, we weren't really trying for very long at all. We, we tried for about a month and then it happened. So it was fast considering I'm an old lady. Were you happy that it happened so fast or was it a slight heart attack when you found out the news? Um, to be honest, uh, I mean, I think it's always a heart attack for everyone. It's got to be. But I was happy that I didn't go through what a lot of women go through, which is, you know, just months and months and months of trying. And then you start to like kind of get psychologically hung up on it and that can make it even harder. So, so I was happy that I didn't have to go through that, but I mean, I kind of wanted a summer baby, I have to say, cause I was born in summer and it's nice to have your birthday in summer. It's nice to have your maternity leave in the summer. So, <laughs> very selfish reason. Um, so, no, I was happy. The only thing that's a bummer about it, about the timing of it, if we had taken one more month and the baby would have been due in September, we would have had a very good possibility of having him or her baptized by the Pope in the Sistine Chapel. Mm, why was that? Why is that? Well, my husband works for the Vatican, and if you're a Vatican employee... I don't know if it's automatic. You might have to request it, but you have a very, very good chance of, of getting to do it if you're a Vatican employee. Like, it raises your chances 5,000% or something. The Pope baptizes babies once a year in January in the Sistine Chapel, but he only baptizes babies that were born between September and December of the year before because, you know, they're supposed to be little babies. We are still going to request it, but it's quite unlikely Especially if he's born on time, which means the early part of August, it's unlikely because he'll be like five months old in January. So, And you've revealed now that you know what the baby actually is. <laughs> yeah, it's a boy. 
It is a little Ital- half Italian boy. <laughs> How are you feeling about that at this point? Well, I have to say, you know, it's been, I mean, I've known for four and a half months, so I've gotten very used to the idea. So a lot of that kind of crazy, oh my God, what am I going to do has kind of worn off, thankfully. And so I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty excited. Now, just so that you listening don't feel betrayed about how long we kept this from you. We actually haven't kept it from you that long because how long has it been? Let's see, I haven't even known that long. Probably maybe a month and a half. Mm-hmm. Maximum, maximum. We didn't. We waited to start telling people until we were quite far along, just to be prudent. I'm not old, old, but I am over 35. So you want to be careful. Well, let's talk about some of the things that you and Claudia were talking about. Since you are... It's a half Italian baby and you're a native English speaker and he's a native Italian speaker. What is your plan as far as what language this baby's going to speak? I know we've touched on this in earlier podcasts long before I was pregnant. My opinion is the same. Who knows what will actually happen? But the plan is this, that I will speak to the baby completely in English. And when we're at home together, I will also speak to Claudio in, in English You know, I'll try to only speak English in front of the baby, even though Claudio will most likely be responding to me in Italian because he just prefers to speak Italian. So (laughs) he'll probably know that I understand Italian. He'll probably know that I speak it, but he won't hear me speak it, or at least I'm going to try not to let him hear me speak it. What I'm trying to avoid is him getting into the habit of answering me in Italian. And I know that this does happen because I have a friend who is in the same situation. She has an Italian husband. She lives here. The difference is actually her husband is she and her husband speak English together. I'm quite surprised that her kids, they don't seem to want to speak English. They seem to always, whenever I see them, they speak Italian and she'll speak to them in English, but they'll answer in Italian. So kids are going to speak what language they want to speak. It's It's hard to force them to speak one language over another. I'm going to try to be strict about it and maybe do the whole like, if you don't say it in English, I'm not going to respond sort of thing. So we'll see. We'll see if that works. That's my plan anyway. Plus a lot of reading in English. Hope that that works. I'll obviously have to teach him English grammar because he's not going to learn it at school or at least not early enough. So I'm going to have to figure out how to how to do that, get some books on teaching, um, teaching grammar to young children. And, and just I'm just going to try because I really want him to have the opportunities that any native English speaker would have. Has Claudio been practicing English more as a result of this? He has been. I mean, he it's something that he intellectually knows that he wants to do. And he's always like, oh, yeah, you're right. Let's speak English more often. But then when push comes to shove, he often, not tonight... I don't feel like it right now. I'm tired, you know. He gets home from work. He doesn't feel like forcing himself to speak another language. But what he does do, which is really, really sweet, and he's been doing it for about 10 days, he's been reading to the baby at night. He told me to pick a book because, as you guys probably know, if you listen to this podcast, I am writing a book for young children, 9 to 12-year-old children. And so I have a whole bunch of books from that age group. He said, pick one of those books that you really like, and I'll read the baby a chapter before we go to bed and get him used to my voice. And so I picked this wonderful book called The Tale of Despero by Kate DiCamillo. If any of you guys like reading books for young people, 
let me tell you, there's some of the best books out there. Anyway, it's a great book. So he's reading that book and it's in English and it's great. It's a nice exercise because he often will come to a word that he doesn't know. So I'll explain it to him. He's learning. It's at a good level for him. It's not a baby book, but it's not an adult book. So the grammar is not oversimplified, but it's it's not ridiculous. It's not like reading Henry James or something. It's, it's really sweet to watch. Well, one other thing that you told me, because of course, as a friend, I asked about what you're thinking about naming the baby. Oh. One of the things you told me was that Claudio really does not want to give this baby an Italian name. I know. Isn't that nuts? What's the reason for that? I think that he really wants his child to feel that, he, first of all, that he's international, but that secondly, he's also American and he's not only Italian. Claudio's kind of unusual. A lot of Italians, I would say most Italians, are very, not nationalistic, that's not the right word, but they're very, very connected to their country and their hometown, and they can't even imagine leaving. Now, a lot of Italians do leave, but it's really, it's mostly because there just are not enough opportunities here for uh, very educated and intelligent young people. So there are a lot of Italians who leave, but there are a lot of who just, who just couldn't even picture it. And Claudio's not like that. He's, he wants to live abroad. He would like to live, at the very least, in another country in Europe. If not in America, that's where he would really like to live. And so he wants his son to have, you know, like I was saying about the language, all of the, I don't, I don't want to say opportunity because I don't necessarily think that your name changes your opportunity, hopefully. He wants him to have an American identity because he's half American. He's going to have an Italian last name. So he wants to give him an American or English first name. What do you think about that? I'm kind of disappointed because I think Italian names are more beautiful. Uh, if it were a girl, I would be really annoyed because Italian female names are really beautiful. American female names, some of them are, but just not quite the same. What would you have named it if it was a girl and you could pick an Italian name? Oh, <laughs> well, probably, I know you're going to laugh when I say this, but I really love the name Beatrice. Which is the name of my, the heroine of my book. Well, Beatrice, the English version. I love that name both in English and in Italian. So I would have pushed for, for Beatrice or Beatrice. That name. For a boy, no, there's lots of, there's lots of boy names that are, that you can use in either language. I just don't like any of them. <laughs> Give me an example. Like, okay, Robert, Roberto is, is a classic example. Mark, Marco. Just add a note, really. <laughs> You've got the <laughs> Italian version. Well, not, not all of them. David, Davide, Steve, Stefano. You get the idea. Then there are a whole bunch of American names or English names that don't have Italian versions. Like Derek, for example, your husband's name. I can't think of an Italian. Maybe Dario, but that's not quite it that's just not actually that's just the first letter so no uh um and a lot of other names don't have an equivalent the names that claudio seems to like are names that don't have an italian equivalent <laughs> they're kind of modern names are kind of not like the crazy invented names that you hear these days what did you just like grab some scrabble letters and call it a name what he came out with yesterday was jared jared was the name of one of my very first quote-unquote boyfriends, not a real boyfriend, but a fifth grade, like, will you go out with me? And then, you know, we never talk again sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. And so 
to me, like Jared is just such an 80s kid's name. One thing that's very interesting that I've learned in having name discussions with him is that in your own language or in your own culture, you have all of these connotations to names. On a personal level, obviously, it can bring up a memory of someone, but more often, it's there's some kind of cultural reference to a name that would make a name just be out of the question because it's a hick name or it's a hippie name or it's a corporate name. Yeah, I mean, it could be anything, but just something that you don't identify with and that you find ridiculous or it's like an old person's name or really 80s name or a really 70s name, you know, just something that you don't like. Not that you hate the name for itself, but just you don't like that connection. And so there are all these names in Italian that I love, but of course I don't have any of these connections. I'm not Italian. So like what? Some of the names in Italian, that, and I can say them because they're totally off of the board. They're not going to happen. One is Amedeo. Like Modigliani. Like Modigliani. Exactly. Modigliani. And that's actually where I first thought of it. I think the place I first thought of it was when we were at the Modigliani exhibit in Rome. Of course, I I wasn't pregnant then and uh, I wasn't even trying, but... I kind of filed it away and I said, oh, that's a really beautiful name. And of course, it made me think of also Mozart's middle name, Amadeus. It's the same root. And I thought it was a beautiful name. And I mentioned that. And he was like, oh, no, that's a mechanic's name. (laughs) And I'm like, a mechanic's name? Like Modigliani and Mozart? Come on. And another name like that. These aren't actually names that I like, but some very, very Roman names like Augusto and Cesare. Like I said, I don't actually like those two names, but they're very, very Roman names, historical Roman names. And the people who have those names today are generally very blue collar, a little bit rough around the edges, not very cultured. And they tend to have these incredibly ancient Roman names. That's something I would never have known. I would never have guessed that. And then he'll come out with these names in English, like he loves the name Steve. And I'm like, we can't name our kid Steve. I mean, no, no offense to all the people out there named Steve. You know, it's too just common. It's too... You've known so many Steves. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I mean, I've always been, I've always been adverse to really, really common names anyway. The name Mark, I actually think, is a beautiful name. But I would never name my kid Mark because it's just, you know, every other kid on the playground is named Mark. And in Rome, every other kid on the playground is Marco. So things like that, I would avoid. But Claudio came up with, because he's a big fan of um, 80s, 70s, 80s rock. So he was like, what about Floyd? You know, because he loves Pink Floyd. You can't name your kid Floyd. It's just... It's an older name. It's a 70s name. It's even older than 70s, I feel like. I think it's an older man in the 70s. Okay. In the 70s, Floyd was an old man. It was an older man. Has it had you examining any of where you get these stereotypes from? Like that Floyd is an older man in the 70s? Your own prejudices? I don't know where these names come from. I think he said that. Oh, what about Travis? I said, no, you can't name him Travis. We're probably like offending half of our <laughs> listeners here who are called Travis, Steve, and Floyd. I'm sorry. That's just my personal opinion. And I know a lot of people think that Tiffany is a stripper name, which is fine. You can think that. Or a rich I'm not girl's offended. name. Or a rich girl's name. It's either a stripper or a rich girl, or maybe a rich stripper. But <laughs> if you're good at it. <laughs> if you're good at it. <laughs> uh, which, given your certain your state right now, you might not be good at it. Um, no, unless, you know, people have fetishes <laughs> or something. 
Um, interesting. That's really interesting. But yeah, so we're having a really, really hard time picking a name. Is it going to renew Claudio's push to move to the United States? Um, yes and no. I think long term, yes. But short term, it really makes sense for us to be in Rome right now. His family is here and they are very, very supportive. His parents, my in-laws, are quite young, much younger than my parents, and very, very willing to lend a hand, babysit, help out. And I can't deny the appeal of that. And obviously we both have stable jobs, so we're going to need to hang, out, hang on to those for a little while longer. But I think long term, we'll definitely move on from Rome. But it probably won't be for a while. Hmm. We should leave it there. And I get a lot more questions. So perhaps we should do another episode. Way back in the episode, Home Birth, we talked about Cassie, who was an expat giving birth at her house in Rome. But what sort of a plan are you two making? Are you uh, going to the hospital that's just a couple blocks away from your house? Uh, no. Yes, there is a very famous hospital a few blocks from us. But... Um... I don't think the ideal place. So that would be super convenient, but we're going to go to another hospital. I would totally go for the home birth. Cassie, not only Cassie, but Cassie definitely influenced me hearing her talk about it. I don't think that home birth is unsafe. I know this is going to sound crazy. I think they might even be safer than hospital births. They've done actually, they've done studies on this and uh, just as many, there's just as many problems in the hospital as there are at home. So I would do it at home. It's not going to happen in my case because my husband is very, very, very cautious. As I mentioned way back when in the home birth episode, I, I knew then that he wouldn't go for it. And, uh, and of course it's true. So we're doing a hospital birth, but I am going to fight tooth and nail to have it as be as natural as possible. And do you think he'll allow that? <laughs> As a worry war well, kind of guy. That, no, he's fine with that. You know, as long as I'm at the hospital, I can stand on my head and give birth and he'll be, he'll, you know, he won't get in my way. He's not that controlling. It's more about, will I convince the hospital to let me do what I want to do? Uh, luckily, the hospital has a good reputation of being pro-natural birth. It's hard when you're in a foreign country to know sort of like, what's the law? Do I have a legal right to deny or to refuse induction, for example. And I looked it up, you know, I haven't been able to find it. Just another obstacle when you're giving birth in a foreign country is you don't even know the laws and to find them is not easy because you don't necessarily know how things are worded in legal language. I don't know legal Italian very well. So to, to try to search and find the answers to my questions, legal questions is not always easy. Well, Obviously, we're going to continue following this story. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you want to hear it or not. That was a little NPR talk for you. Keep it tuned to the bittersweet life <laughs> if you want to know more. But don't worry, we will not be live podcasting the birth. I can promise you that. Oh, I think we should totally no. do that. <laughs> no. Let's do that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that would be amazing. I'm really good at recording births. But you're not going to be here. <laughs> if you want to pay to fly me out there, I will put a microphone in the right place. <laughs> I don't even want to know what that place is. <laughs> and until then, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And there's Tiffany Parks over in Rome expecting a baby. It's a new dawn of our show. It really is. <laughs> All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. If you want to support the show, please visit our webpage, thebittersweetlife.net, and click the donation button. 
Right now, Katie, that being me, is being paid about $4 an hour to make this show. That's unsustainable. So if you really enjoy the show and you want to keep it alive, we certainly do. Visit the donate button at our website, thebittersweetlife.net. Additionally, if you're interested in sponsoring the program and reaching thousands of people all over the world, send us an email at bittersweetlife at mail.com. That's bittersweetlife at M-A-I-L dot com. Thank you for all the ways you support us, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.